Good morning, everyone. Wow, what a privilege for me to be able to, to stand in front of you this morning. Um, uh, I feel such a weightiness uh, that the Lord wants to come and just do something in us this morning. Um, and my sermon this morning, I want to continue actually in Philippians 2 uh, from where Mike uh, shared this morning. You didn't know that I was going to be sharing on Philippians 2 this morning. But I think it all just comes together, and I believe there's one thing that the Lord wants to say to us this morning. But before we get there, I think it's important for us to realize this morning that as we're saying, it's about God's glory, it's about Him, it's all about Him, it's not about us. That flies in the face of what our culture is trying to put down our throats in this day and age. Our culture that we live in is trying to make it all about us. It's about discovering who you are finding your identity, finding what you were called to do. All these things have its place, but they are out of place when God is not at the center of those things. And so in our life and in our battle and in our Christian walk, we will always come to, to, the, to face this giant where there's an, uh, an attempt to elevate man at the expense of God being at the center. And so this morning, what I want to preach on uh, is from Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13. Um, and I'll read it for us. And um, Wesley's putting it up there, I believe. Yes. It says, therefore, and the therefore is what Mike shared this morning about the humility of Christ, that we would have the same mindset as Christ. My beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. And so just to, to just give you a context of what I felt this morning, uh, it actually started a couple of weeks ago in a prayer meeting here at church on a Sunday morning. I just had this sense uh, that people were tired in walking with the Lord because they were doing it from their own strength. And maybe that's, maybe that's you this morning. Right? I know in my walk, uh, in people that I walk with, and people even this past week, I sat down with someone from our community and, and just, just hearing the weight of performance that this person was under. And maybe that's you. I know I've struggled with it in the past. And I constantly have to battle it, but this thing of performance comes over me and I feel like I need to do a bunch of things to gain the approval of the Father. Does anyone else struggle with that? <laughs> Most of us, right? And when we, when we speak about this scripture, we are quick to highlight the thing of we have to work out our own salvation, right? It's our responsibility to work out our, our salvation before the Lord. But there's a second part to the scripture that is actually so powerful and that gives us the strength to work out our salvation. And so I want to pay attention this morning to the posture that we need to take in when we are working out our salvation before the Lord. Okay, so I've titled my sermon this morning, with fear and trembling. And so let's, let's jump right in. What does it mean to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? 
So it is important that we don't just get caught out or caught up with our behavior. But we need to ask ourselves what attitude and more so what affections or desires do I need to cultivate in my heart in walking out the behavior. And oftentimes what I've seen is that our behavior follows our desires. I'd say if I desire something sweet, then what does my behavior do? I buy chocolate. Right? So I, I, I'm working from the premise this morning that we are all in some sense led by our desires or by our affections or what we love. Right? And our behavior falls into line with that. And so when we are when we are commanded to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, I want us to look at what what does it mean to fear and tremble before the Lord? What is that heart's posture that we need to take in before the Lord? And firstly, the word fear. Now, the Bible is clear that we are to fear the Lord. In Proverbs, it speaks about that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But I think it's important for us to understand that this fear does not mean a fear of punishment. Okay, so the, the fear of the Lord is not a fear of punishment, but it is a reverence and an awe for who He is. And specifically in the context of this scripture, it's a healthy fear or awe, reverence, um, of offending God through disobedience and an awe and respect for His majesty and His holiness. So that's why we work out our salvation firstly. Is because we realize that God has commanded us to do certain things. And we have a reverence and an awe for who He is. And so we obey. And once again, our obedience, when Jesus says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Once again, it comes back to what do we love? We cannot obey God without first understanding that it is out of a place of loving Him that we do so. And then secondly, trembling. So this is the attitude that we are to have in pursuing this goal of working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's an act or a position of contrition and humility towards the Lord. And it's beautiful that this scripture is set up where it is in context of in the previous uh, portion. Paul is, is telling the Philippian church that they should have the same mind that was in Christ, which is the place of humility. And I think this is what I want to bring across to us this morning, is how do we cultivate that posture of humility in our hearts before the Lord in working out our salvation? So that we don't get so caught up with the outward deeds, I must read my Bible, I must pray, I must wake up early to spend time with the Lord. These are all things that we must do, and these are all things that will help us grow in the Lord. But it all comes from a place of humility. It all comes from a place of lowliness before the Lord. It does not come from the place of, I'm trying to do it in my own strength. Okay, so I've got five, um, four points that I want to share with us this morning of how do we cultivate this posture before the Lord. So firstly, if you are making notes, you can write down this. Firstly, 
we have to move from a place of admitting that we can do nothing without God. John 15 verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I, I believe that when Jesus says you can do nothing, he means you can do nothing. <laughs> it's not a trick sentence or it's not a trick thing that he's saying. And oftentimes what I, what I realize in my walk with the Lord, as soon as I fall into a place of performance, it's because I've forgotten this. It's because I've forgotten that actually the reality is I can't produce something of eternal value that pleases the Father without being in God or being in Jesus. And so the first thing that we need to do in our walk with the Lord, and, and, and this obviously plays out in prayer before Him, but it's to constantly be in a place of knowing and admitting that I can do nothing without God. In Even this morning, me coming to preach, I realized that I can do nothing without His strength. My words are, 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 are meaningless if they are not words that He empowers. Standing up to lead worship on a Sunday is meaningless and powerless if it does not come from a place of admitting that without Him I can do nothing. And so, I've heard it said many times that the river flows to the lowest point. You got, I'm sure most of us have heard that if you've been in, Christ, in, in church long enough, you must have heard that in, in a sermon somewhere. But it's true. God's grace flows to the lowest point. It's in the place of admission of not being able to produce something that pleases God out of our own strength, that He actually is attracted to that. So we admit that we can do nothing without Him. Secondly, we have to pray for help. So the second thing is we need to pray. Psalm 50 verse 15, it says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Hebrews 4 verse 16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so there, God is inviting us and saying, Listen, I realize that you cannot do the, the things that I have asked you to do without you coming to me and asking me for help. So we serve a helping God. We serve a God that wants to enable us to do the things that He has asked us to do. And our default uh, in our pride is to try to show God that we can actually do it without His help. Or am I the only one? I'm definitely not the only one. So I'll show God. I'll show God that I can stand up here and I can lead worship. I'll show God that I can, I can persuade the crowd to worship Him. No. It's, Lord, I cannot do this. I cannot, if unless you do this, or unless you show up, unless you make yourself known, unless you reveal yourself to people this morning, then what I am bringing is nothing. 
nothing before you and has no power. Thirdly, we need to trust. We need to trust. We need to live from a place of dependence on God. We need to have faith in Him. And more than that, we need to trust specific promises that God gives us in His Word. I believe that faith is stirred in us when God says something to us. And so last week, Modus was speaking about uh, Hebrews chapter 12, where it speaks about uh, verse uh, 1 and 2, where it speaks about um, endurance, and we need to endure. And we look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so that's the place that we build our faith from, is to looking to the author and the perfecter of our faith. And specifically, Jesus gives us promises in, our, in His Word that we can hold on to, that we can trust, that we can take Him at His Word. How many times have you been to a sermon and someone says, take Him at His Word? And it's true. We need to trust God based on what He has said to us. And Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. And so we need to move from a place of constant dependence on Him. And, and part of how we're cultivating the posture before Him starts with admitting that we can do nothing. It's to pray for His help and then to trust that He's able to answer our prayers because He does want to do that. And then lastly, we need to act. So the second part of the scripture is really interesting for me, and I'd like to uh, take some time to unpack it. Uh, but it says, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Now, here we see, see two things at play. We see both our responsibility to act. It is our responsibility to work out our salvation. It's our responsibility to walk in holiness or to pursue holiness. But on the other hand, we also see that God is also working in our working. And that's a powerful, uh, powerful statement, especially from uh, the word for. So if you look, uh, it says, for God is at work in you. And I would replace that word for with the word because. In other words, we work out our salvation because God is working towards the same end inside of us. So I want to say, before, before holiness is your responsibility, it is God's mandate and it is God's plan inside of you. If you look at the book of Ephesians chapter 1, it says that God in love predestined us to be holy and blameless before Him. And so the reason why we can walk in holiness is because it's God's purpose in us. And so that's the encouragement that I want to bring to us this morning that I'm hoping will free us from this performance-driven Christianity that we sometimes get sucked into is knowing that we work because it is God who is working in us. And I can walk with confidence in my pursuit of looking more like Christ because it's God that is working in me. And the way that God does this is through enabling us by His grace. 
Now, grace has two meanings. Firstly, it's favor that we don't deserve. So, when it comes to our salvation, we are saved by grace through faith, not of our own works, but because of God. And that is unmerited favor. In other words, it's undeserved that we are saved. God gives it freely. That is grace. But secondly, God, uh, grace is also enabling us to live a godly life. So God gives us the commands, but He also gives us the strength to be able to do those commands by His grace. So by His grace and through the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and by the power of a new nature, which happens to us when we are saved, God gives us not only the command to do works, but He also gives us the desire and the delight in doing the duty. In essence, what happens is the duty no longer feels like a duty because it is fueled by the desire and the delight to do so. I'll give you an example. Before I got saved, I really enjoyed swearing. Maybe some of you can relate to that. I really enjoyed to swear. <laughs> and if you had told me that God is not God does not approve of swearing in my unbelieving state and I had to try to not swear or try to stop swearing it would have been a very difficult task for me to execute just like some of you might have things that you've struggled with in the past and you know that putting a certain requirement on you just leaves you at a place of, shucks, I need, to, I, need to, I need to stop. I need to maybe think before I speak or I need to rein myself in. It will take all the effort in my ability to stop swearing. But what happens when we get saved? Oh, this is what happened with me. I just stopped swearing. And it was not because I had tried to stop swearing, but it was because I had been given a new desire in which swearing was not appealing to me anymore. And that's the power of God's grace in our lives that enables us to do the things that God asks us to do, is that we actually want to do them. So reading your Bible is not an act, firstly, of disciplining yourself and waking up every morning to read your Bible. But it is, you read your Bible because the, the Holy Spirit works inside of you to give you the desire to read your Bible. Or to pray. Or to worship. When we come here on a Sunday, the prayers that we should be praying is, Lord, give me a desire to worship you. Lord, open my eyes to see you for who you are so that I can respond in worship to who you are. It's not to come and stand and just clap our hands because the person next to us is doing it. And so we just fall into what the crowd is doing. To worship God in spirit and in truth means that it's inspired by Him. And so the encouragement for us this morning is that we would live inspired lives. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Strengthened by the Holy Spirit. That it's a joy for us to worship God. It's not a work for us to worship God. 
Um, I didn't give you the scripture, but if you look at Matthew 13, verse 44, and we sang it this morning, you are the treasure in the field. And if you, let's turn there quickly. Matthew 13, verse 44. There's something very, uh, something that stands out that's so powerful. And that brings us to the point of, of the core of the inspiration that comes. It's Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. In other words, there was something inside of him that motivated him to count the cost. To see that what he has found in the field is more worthy than what he has in terms of his possession. And it caused joy inside of him to well up. And because of that joy he went and he sold. His things and bought the field. In other words, there's an inward working that drives all of our behavior. And it's the grace of God that empowers us to do those things. And so my prayer for us is that we would, before we ask ourselves, what behavior should I change? Or what behavior should I do better? So what should I love differently? What should I love differently? If I'm watching too much Netflix, the, the remedy is not for me to turn off Netflix or delete, net, delete Netflix. The remedy is to ask myself, have I lost love for Jesus? Is my happiness outside of Him? Is my satisfaction in something else? One Corinthians fifteen verse ten. This is a beautiful scripture. It says, "But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain." And here we see just the 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 combination of the grace of God working in our lives and actually what the outworking is. And it says, "I worked harder than any of them." Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So does it mean that when we have the grace of God enabling us to do works, that we now just sit back and wait until uh, we feel inspired to, to read our Bible? Unfortunately not. <laughs> Sometimes we get to a place where we don't desire God, and in those times we need to uh, John Piper says something so wonderful. He says, pray even though it feels like your words are hitting the ceiling. Read your Bible even if it feels like you are reading cardboard. Because in, those, in that acting, God's grace is unleashed in some way. That in our acting, through the, the posture of admission that I can do nothing, through the posture of praying, God, would you give me a desire for your word, and actually acting out of a place of faith and trust in Him, God's grace is unlocked in us. And His grace flows to us. Titus 2 verse 11 to 12, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. 
And so the, the call for us this morning is that we would assess our hearts before the Lord. Before we assess our behavior. And I know if, if we have to uh, usually ask, how's it going with your walk with the Lord? And if the first answer that you get it, uh, from people is, I think I can do better. And then what they mean by that is, I could read my Bible more. I could wake up earlier to spend more time with the Lord. There's always this uh, expectation that we put ourselves under that sometimes the Lord does not put on us. And we get tired. We, we break our backs trying to perform according to a standard that God has not placed on us and that no one else has placed on us. And the remedy for that is actually to go to the place of our hearts and diagnose what is happening in our hearts so that we are fueled by desire to do these things. And then there's no more thing of, am I reading my Bible enough? Or am I worshiping enough? Or am I praying enough? Now it's like I, I'm enjoying God. I believe that we, we miss out on our inheritance in the Lord because we get stuck on performance-driven Christianity. Our inheritance in the gospel is that we get God. That God has given Himself to us to be enjoyed. To be delighted in. He is the treasure. That we can love Him. That we can enjoy Him. That it's not driven by a list of do's and don'ts. To a standard that we anyways cannot attain to. And this is the gospel, guys. This is, this is what the power of the gospel is. It sets us free from looking towards ourselves and trying to measure up to a standard that hopefully pleases God and saying that what Christ has done on your behalf and your uh, unity with Him by faith says that we are accepted and we are God's righteousness. And there's nothing that we can do that makes us more right with God other than to trust in the person of Jesus who has done everything that we are unable to do ourselves. That should drive us to a place of absolute surrender, absolute humility before Him. And confess and admit that we can do nothing. Pray for help. Trust in Him alone and what He has done. And then to act from that place in confidence, knowing that it is God who works in us. To will, to will, to want. Is that, that driven desire inside of you to want to do something comes from God. By His grace. And then to work. And I want to end uh, with this, which is the last part of the scripture. It says, for his good pleasure. For his good pleasure. I fear that some of us have may have fallen into a place where we, we feel like our deeds that God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in does not please him. And so we feel like we need to do more and more and more in order to make it more pleasurable or pleasing in God's sight. And I want to say to us that God delights in our work when it is done from a place of dependence on Him. 
God is not impressed by independent Christianity. God is impressed by humility and dependence on Him. So let us, in our acting, in our doing these good works that God has prepared for us, let us take stock of our heart before Him. And let's make sure that we are constantly living our lives from a place of humility and surrender before Him. Obedience. Uh, I always have a conversation with my wife and saying, you are not called to do a bunch of things. You are only called to do what the Lord commands you to do. And that might look different to the person next to you. So don't compare yourself to what someone else is doing. When the disciples uh, were asking about who would be the greatest in heaven or who would get the seat of honor next to Jesus, Jesus replied and said, what is that to you? And I think for some of us, um, in our comparison and competing with other people in how they're walking their Christian life is, God is saying to you, what is that to you? I've called that person for something else and with a different capacity. You stick to what I'm calling you to do. If God wants you to only do one thing this year, then for you to do three things is out of His will. Regardless of how you feel about what other people are doing around you. Let us firstly be obedient to our Lord and our Savior who purchased us individually. He is my Lord, but He's also Pete's Lord. But I need to hear Him for myself and not for what Pete is doing and then think that I need to walk like Pete is walking. God has a specific call, a specific capacity and specific good works that He has prepared before the foundation of the earth for you and I to walk in. Stop walking in someone else's calling. Stop walking in someone else's capacity. Only walk in what God has called you to do. Be attentive to what He is saying. And be obedient to what He is saying. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, really, I really have a sense that God wants to free us this morning from performance-based Christianity yeah? I, I, I really feel there's so much more for us Jesus prayed in John 17 that the same love that is in the Trinity that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit would be in you and I and that that love would drive us to good deeds and we settle for not having that love. If there's one person's prayer who is going to get answered by the Father, I believe it's Jesus. It's His prayer. And so let's, let's align our lives behind that prayer of Jesus in saying that the same love that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit would be poured out into our hearts that we would regard Jesus with that same love that we would regard one another with that same love, and that that love would drive us in our daily living. But there's also a, a, a call this morning to those who 
do not know Jesus. Religion says that you have to do a bunch of things to be accepted by God. And the gospel this morning comes and flies in the face of all of that and says there's nothing that you can do that's good enough before the Father. That He has given His Son to be the perfect standard for you and I. And that we are counted as perfect and holy because of our faith and trust in Him. And so, as we close uh, this morning, maybe uh, if we can just uh, close our eyes and pray together. And if there is someone this morning, you are tired of trying to please God because you feel like nothing you do is good enough, I've got good news for you this morning. There was one man in the history of mankind that was good enough on your behalf. His name is Jesus. He is fully God, fully man. He is perfect in all His ways. And our response to Him this morning is that we would trust Him, that we would transfer our dependence from ourselves and that we would transfer it to the person of Jesus. Stop trying to be a better person. And put your faith in the one who is the best person. And so if there's anyone like that here this morning, maybe you can just... uh, Put up your hand, just indicate quickly. If, if you feel like you are tired of trying to do this Christian walk by yourself and you want to, afresh, you want to see the grace of God at work in your life. Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to come and stand here in the front and we're going to pray together. Be bold. Come to the front. If it's your first time that you want to trust in the person of Christ, come to the front. If you are at a place where you are tired of trying to do Christianity in your own strength, come to the front. There is grace. I'm going to ask some of the leaders to just pair up with people and specifically ask that person, what is it that you can pray for? Any saint, if you feel you want to pray with someone, please, let's, let's come uh, to the front and just pair up with someone.